Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello and welcome to UK Film Review Podcast. I'm your host Lucy and I'm joined by Jason and Chris and we are all UK film, film review critics and today we are looking at films set during apocalypses. Um, so we all probably have our favourite films set during kind of barren wastelands and earth's completely destroyed so that's going to be my first question to both jason and chris what are your favorite films set during the end times i suppose uh well for me i'm a very big fan aficionado of the subcategory of zombie apocalypse because uh i it just I've always liked everything to do about zombies. So you're looking, obviously, you're 28 days later and 20 weeks later, Dawn of the Dead. You know, I love any of the George Romero films, even the, and even the ones that lean more towards the comedy, like Zombielands and, and those kind of things. But what I really like about the apocalypse, apocalypse genre uh, is when we actually take a look at not the why, why or what is happening, whether it's a, asteroid hitting earth for zombies but more what happens to society when those kind of things mm. happen i'm much more interested in how humans be how humans react under extreme conditions and pressure which i'm sure we'll get into when we talk about the the, the main film we're obviously here to talk about but that's the kind of thing that fascinates me is not so much uh, 
oh, you know, this is what we're running from or hiding from or fighting, but what that actually does to society and what happens when it breaks down. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely what I enjoy looking at in um, apocalyptic cinema as well, because it's all kind of about how humanity struggles and what are they going to do now everything's destroyed and society isn't the Mm. same anymore. But yeah, that's definitely something you see in 28 Weeks Later and, of course, Children of Men, which we'll be discussing later. Um, So, Jason, what is your favourite... film set during an apocalypse uh mine would be a quiet place mm-hmm. that's yeah. a quiet place it's a great one great film yes it's you know it's set during a, a time when uh aliens have come to earth and they are almost indestructible and they are attracted to sound and it's very intriguing plot many nail-biting moments and yeah, it's a f- great mm-hmm. film and yeah go ahead and it's so interesting because um it's an unusual way that the aliens have the upper hand as in anything that the humans say they can hear and attack so the people who are survived at the very beginning of um quiet place um are surviving because they can communicate in sign language Um, yeah so that's just a really interesting way of looking at survival as well with um a quiet place um and i think that maybe maybe is a little bit different to other um, films set during apocalypses where there is something that really is beneficial to this family that everyone else who doesn't understand um, sign languages or don't have a deaf family member or aren't deaf themselves won't have, won't be bringing to the table. So I thought that was a really interesting one and I found it quite scary as well. So it really ticked all the boxes. Yeah, I remember watching that in the cinema and just... Uh, obviously, as a cinematic experience, so quiet, and you're trying, and like you have people around you just not eating because normally you hear people eating all kinds of stuff, and you just the way it plays with sound for a film that's all about the lack of sound, the way it plays with sound, and all the things you don't realize how much noise actually gets made in the world, and all the little things every time you just like, and for example, the bit where you see the nail on the stair, oh, and yeah. then you, yeah. and then, but you don't, but then nothing happens with it for like twenty minutes, but you know it's there, and it's, you know something's going to happen with it, and yeah. it's going to be oh, it's, horrific. It's nail biting. <laughs> it is. It is it's such a such a well done film. It's it's so clever as well because every possible bit of sound is thought about mm-hmm. so they have dinner on giant lettuce leaves yeah because a plate would be would have too much sound and too loud and it would attract the monsters so yeah. it's, it's so well thought out as a world as well it's just really kind of well explored i think yeah exactly and um yeah like you said the, the way they think of everything in sound you don't it again says you don't know how much you don't realize how much sound you make until you have to be absolutely quiet and every it's just like you, the word you've used was, was perfect nail biting from start mm. to finish it's it's a perfect mix of apocalypse and horror which i do think you know 28 mm. days later which you mentioned also covers that brilliantly as well um and i think the film that we're going to talk about a bit more um children of men also has this horror and end of society thing hand in hand Mm -hmm. um so would you like to talk a little bit 
more about Chris, more about um, Children of Men, or like, what are your thoughts on Children of Men? Yeah, so I so I rewatched this this weekend ahead of this podcast because it'd been a few years since I'd seen it, and obviously I I knew it was a great film, but it wasn't until I rewatched it this weekend that I realised actually how really great it is, how really well put together. I mean. Alfonso Cuaron should do a straight-up horror because I think he's got it in him. And there are certain elements of this that you're just, and again, to use the phrase, nail-biting. And this is this is one of those that's also nail-biting from start to finish. Um, it's, not, um, it's not so much in your face with how dark and bleak and everything is. It sort of ekes it out slowly. And then to this point, you, it just builds this world of um, this dystopian future and it really taps into what I was saying what I really love about the genre is what society is doing to itself rather than what the outside force is doing to it yeah and and also I really like the juxtaposition between everyone doing everything they can to kill and destroy each other while there's also this story of trying to protect life as well Mm. and it's just a weird it's just a very well balanced story of those two kind of opposing themes which yeah. I really liked I really I, I, I don't think I picked up on that the first time but this time around I really was like wow that's he's really done something really clever here I, and... I really think it's a, a magnificent film I think it's it's great because you've got the tiny kernel of hope and and life and potential um and then the rest of the world is just looking like it's going to completely implode in itself. And I think that is so interesting because the film has the tiniest amount of hope to be mm-hmm. not completely depressing. Yeah. And that's really what kind of carries it through. Um, Jason, what do you think about Children of Men? Um, what Maybe what were your first thoughts when you first saw it as well? Because that's quite interesting because um, it's quite a tense and immersive film as well so yeah i think the idea is rather original you know that's the world is humanity humanity is coming to an end because women cannot be pregnant anymore and it's also a great action film too a great adventure film mm. and it has plenty of drama yes it's not one of my favorite apocalypse films but i do like it mm. yeah i think you're right there i think there's kind of elements of everything from kind of drama because you've got the two main characters who have been in a relationship previously um and then you've got kind of the action of trying to get across the uk without being killed um and i just think it's it's a good horror as well which is quite surprising because it's not particularly full of any kind of monsters or anything that kind of creeps in the dark but i do think it's very very tense and i'm just kind of wondering this this kind of motif this kind of idea of um films set during an apocalypse um it's very easy to put them into different categories like horror or um maybe science fiction or other kind of ways to describe them um and do you think um i'll start with chris do you think that's that's particularly important in these films that they're not just dramas that they've got something a bit more scary about them potentially yeah i do i think i think you need to feel the stakes of the film Mm -hmm. i feel like you you know you've got your 
and don't get me wrong, I love them as much. I, I do. I, I love a few of them, but your disaster type films where, you know, a, a meteor's come to Earth or Gerard Butler's fighting some weird weather system. Um, but uh, but those kind of films, the stakes, because they're so hyper real and you know cgi and stuff you don't feel the stakes where something like children of men mm. the way he the way he shoots that film with the long takes and the cameras right there and it's just it's like a almost like a very long narrative that you're set you're almost walking with clive owen the whole way through yeah, so really you're in and especially in that last 20 minutes half an hour where he's walking through the war zone through the building, everything's blowing up around them. The blood splatters on the lens. It's just, it's like you're there. It's like you're watching it. And that kind of thing, that kind of connection to is, there's one thing just sitting and watching, you know, someone try and get away from, you know, supernatural elements, or you actually feel like you're at risk, which I think mm-hmm. Children of Men does really it, well. It does really, really well. I love that element that you constantly feel that you yourself are going on this kind of voyage across mm-hmm. the UK um, to try and save Key's life, um, mm-hmm. make sure that she can have her child without other people threatening to kill her. Um, and it, I think it is horrifying and it is like a horror because you feel like you are on this journey. Yeah, you and need it, to feel like you're invested. Yeah. You're in it. You have a stake in this, yeah. And you feel like you are also part of his kind of group and and his kind of team. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Sorry. Are you going to say? No, it's fine. Sorry. Um, Jason, would you say that this is a horror? Did you do you feel like this is a horror film at all, or is it more of an action type? Yes, I consider it to be more of an action film than a horror film. Until you, I never thought of what thought of it as a horror film Mm. at all, to be honest. You know, that's what it is, a post-apocalyptic action film, I'd say, what it is. Yeah. I, I would I would say that there's definitely a scene which I remember very well, um, which I would agree with you is very kind of action-based, which is when they're driving in the car and all of a sudden um, one of um, the men turn against Clive Owen and um, suddenly everything goes to pieces and Mm. there's burning cars coming towards him and multiple people end up dead in the car and that's very very early on in children of men and that is completely shocking but also there is that adrenaline kind of going through that whole scene as well um but yeah Oh, I, I really do love children of yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think from that moment as well, in that particular scene you're speaking about, is when the film grabs you mm. and then doesn't let go, and it basically keeps you on so tense and anxious throughout the whole film. You get little minutes of respite, for example, when he's talking to Michael Caine's character, um, but it's literally for like maybe a minute, and then you're back on, and you have to go, right, okay, we're back in the thick of things. I really, because that scene, I think Julianne Moore gets mm. killed, but a lot of the big names in this don't, they're just killed, like, quickly, off camera, you know? Like, Charlie Hunnam's character, I mean, apart from his hair, which I'm still not sure about after <laughs> seeing it again but his he just goes off screen and you see him and then Chiro tells you for the same you don't like yeah. it's it's a film that doesn't sacrifice and you've just got to it's assume a, that they've come to the end yeah but it's a film that knows how to present itself and it's not going to sacrifice that to give 
the big names, you know, their big death scene or anything mm. like that. It very much knows what its, its aesthetic and feeling needs to be in it. And it's very bold in that way, I think. Yeah, I mean, the music isn't going to swell as they dramatically fall off something yeah. after they've been shot. That's not going to happen. Instead, you get Julianne Moore, who's playing with that ping pong ball game with Clive Owen. Yeah. And you are completely, you completely believe that you're at a moment of tranquility mm-hmm. and nothing's going to happen. And then it all, everything falls to pieces and suddenly you're faced with several deaths and you have no time to stop and collect yourself and think about what's happened. You just have to continue yeah. <laughs> and go with it, um, which I really like about Children of Men, but I do appreciate that because of that, it can be a very difficult watch. Oh, yeah. It's not <laughs> from you'd stick on a Sunday afternoon to no. relax to no, yeah, for sure. Oh, gosh, but- no. No, it's a film you need to kind of, I, I guess, psych yourself up for a little mm. bit. Um, but it is, it is a tremendous film, absolutely. I definitely think it's one of those films that you want to recommend to people, but you also feel like you can't quite recommend it to people because you don't want people to turn around and say, why did you recommend me this? Yeah. Um, it was really upsetting. It, I know I know it's cinematically good, but I got really upset while I was watching this. Um, yeah, I did that to my wife, and she was, she, she turned around afterwards and was like, "Well, that was depressing." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, again. "I was like," she's like, "It was good, but you know, it's heavy going." So yeah, I I, I totally agree. Mm. Um, another thing I find really interesting about Children of Men is how they have ideas of society before um, and society after. So before, when children kind of there was no problem having children and creating generation after generation. And then suddenly, I think it's 22 years before the events of Children of Men, children suddenly stop being born. Mm. Um, women stop being able to have children. And what I find really interesting in Alphonse Cuaron's Children of Men is that he has so many artistic references littered throughout each kind of one of the scenes which really call back to the society that they've left behind. Mm. Um, one of the really great things that I kind of remember is when they are in um, the Battersea... Battersea... Power um, Station? Yes, Battersea Power yeah. Station, exactly. And there's a pig just floating across the, the, the <laughs> yeah. window. And that's so obviously kind of reminding you of Pink Floyd's kind of pig... Art. I can't remember which album it is, but it's from one of them. Yeah. And yeah. there are multiple things um, that really kind of suggest prior kind of civilization. Like that pig floats in front of the window, but on the wall behind is Picasso's painting of. Um, it's a it's a war painting that I can't quite remember the name of, but I just thought it was really excellent because it's not so explicit, but you have this memory of two different worlds colliding, and everything that's from the old world and arty is that is not made anymore, so it's a relic, and yeah. I just think that is such an interesting way to present the before and after of um, kind of old and new. Um, and I was just wondering if anyone else had similar thoughts on 
art in um, Children of Men. I, I do realise it's quite a um, random comment, but I just thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's that scene as well where he goes to, uh, I can't remember what his character's name is, but he goes to see about the transit papers from his friend mm. and he's got the statue in his uh, yeah. in his office. And which is missed it from yeah. Rome or somewhere. Yeah, and it's missing a leg and stuff, but it's... It is, it's a, and it's a theme I think that recurs in a lot of apocalypse films is trying to retain some of the mm. some of our some of the past because I think they see it as the past holds a better version of ourselves mm. than we currently exist in. Um, there's a lot of that in. Um, I don't know uh, if either of you've played it, um, but there's a lot of that in a, in a video game, my favorite video game ever, The Last of Us, mm-hmm. um, which is very heavily influenced by children and men to the point where the storyline is the same a man is trying to get a young girl across an apocalyptic wasteland because she is the savior of humanity but there's a lot of themes in that as well that you know trying to hold on to the last remnants of a civilization that we have and i think you're right i think looking into that and the themes of art and what we could lose if we lose ourselves really reflects there so yeah i do i did notice it and i do think it's a theme that not only here but generally they keep in most uh or a a great deal of apocalyptic films i think there is this kind of call back to the society that we once were and the society that we we, we're not anymore and the the things that we've lost as well Mm. um and i always think it's quite an interesting thing to explore because i do think weaker apocalyptic films often have their apocalypse happen in a void from our world and our reality Mm. which i think is usually a bit bit odd but then saying that i do think something like mad max is excellent yes so and that does kind of happen in a kind of void of society um so yeah i i do think it's interesting how you're reminded about society, your old society in this horrible world. Um, Jason, do you have anything to add about kind of old society coming back in these apocalyptic films? We don't need to talk about Children of Men. It could be anyone, really, any film, really. <laughs> about, about society coming back? Mm. You mean hope about uh, the end of the world not coming, not the world not coming to an end? Yeah, and so there's kind of relics from an old society that you can remember. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I can remember that famous scene from Planet of the Apes. Uh-huh. The ending, when, when, yeah. when a spoiler alert now, when he sees the Statue of Liberty. That's a, that's a classic <laughs> one, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a classic. Yeah. And, and you realise, oh, actually, that's, that's not a kind of different planet. That's completely, has been completely changed. And, you know, um, society has completely evolved and not evolved in a, in a way that we would expect i suppose yeah. <laughs> a, a, a very small comedic example would be uh, woody harrelson's character in zombieland who's just desperate for that last twinkie because <laughs> it's the last it's the last grip he has on the world that he knew and even the two young girls emma stone and abigail breslin's character are just trying to get to the theme park so they can have some fun like mm. they used to so yeah then there are often elements of people going why can't we go back to the world the way it used to be Hmm. um so yeah i do think it's definitely a theme that's that's noticeable i think it's a really important theme Mm -hmm. and i 
I just love that image of Woody Har- Harrelson trying to find all the Twinkie, <laughs> Twinkie vans and then just opening them up and being like, but there isn't a Twinkie in here. Yeah. And um, I've never had a Twinkie. I don't know if they are good sweets <laughs> or whatever, but I've heard they're not brilliant. So I found that quite funny. They, they are pure sugar. They are literally, <laughs> it's just pastry and sugar that is, and cream. That is it. <laughs> The, the reason they never go off because apparently they never go out is because there's a million preservatives in them ah, but so they're very sweet <laughs> yeah yeah so um i think he does eventually get it but uh for me they're they're a bit too sweet hmm. yeah yeah another thing i would i would crave for in an apocalypse put it that way yeah well um I'm just wondering what would I crave for in Apocalypse, but I just don't think I would be one of the final ones. You know, I don't think I would be... <laughs> I think I would be a zombie rather than being a zombie killer, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, do we not think we would... Like, to question for both of you, how long do you think we would last and say a zombie apocalypse, if at all? Not very long at all. Um, partly because um, I don't think post post zombie world looks pretty good because you have to create society all by yourself again yeah that's true <laughs> and um i'm just like what there won't be any new films coming out most people <laughs> you could make your own films honestly. <laughs> be creative yeah you could go find bill murray in hollywood and make films with him <laughs> the zombified version yeah <laughs> jason would you um be the best out of us and last far longer than me, probably. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe. What would I do, though? How would I get food? Yeah, this know. is what I think. You know, what's the point of surviving a zombie apocalypse mm. if suddenly you have to become a hunter-gatherer and you're rubbish at that? <laughs> yeah, as yeah. much as I'd like to think I'd have a plan, when it came to crunch time, I don't think I'd do very well at all. Mm. Yeah, I, I would completely struggle and i think this kind of feeds brilliantly on to kind of zombie films and we've kind of previously hit upon zombie films christy mentioned that some are your favorites but i really love zombie films as well particularly 28 days later that is one of my favorite films Mm, Um, yeah it's such a great one um because i i really do like that in, in 28 Days Later, obviously, the world has kind of ended. There's nobody there. It's desolate. But I really like that there's also the, all these religious themes as well, which you're not mm. expecting in a zombie film, of all things. And um, I like 28 Days Later because it's not just people get eaten by zombies. There's something else there. There's something else going on. Yeah. And you've got Christopher Eccleston's character, who's not a zombie, and he's a uh, kind of army lieutenant or something a general who is causing far more chaos than the zombies in general um and i just thought it was a brilliant brilliant film when i first saw it and i will just return to it over and over again mm-hmm. um so yeah i just zombie films for the win <laughs> yeah absolutely i think yeah 20 days later i think was the one that kind of opened my eyes to zombie um the zombie genre. Uh, then, obviously, I fell into George Romero and realised that he's the the godfather of the zombie film. But the I remember watching the obviously Killian Murphy waking up and walking through a desolate London landscape and thinking, "Wow!" I mean, 
that's it, the scale of it and just the you immediately get the the, the scale of what world he's living in mm-hmm. and i think the christopher eccleston stuff is is a good point because as much as you know the, the zombies as they are are a threat realistically they're a threat that Arguably, you know how to neutralize, you know how to deal with, how you deal with a human being with thoughts and emotions and, the, and all his abilities like Christopher Eccleston, who's much scarier hmm. in some ways than the zombies are. Because the zombies have a few motor functions and they have one need. But Christopher, that's in, in zombie films, the people are generally the ones that, things like The Walking Dead as well, hmm. when, after so many seasons, the zombies become you know um, a bit boring yeah a bit boring so therefore you're looking at your negans and all those kind of things to bring the threat and they do because society is much more and the humans that are left are much more of a scary prospect than what's than what's actually caused this yeah i remember when i first watched 28 days later and i had such a shock that the actual villain in 28 days later isn't isn't a pack of zombies yeah it isn't the prospect that they might get eaten by zombies it's actually a group of men in a house and that was terrifying for me um and i it just really drew me to the film because it really kind of analyzed kind of i don't know male violence and kind of that threat more than it does kind of zombies which i just thought was really ingenious um, having said that, I didn't particularly warm to the sequel, but no, <laughs> I didn't either. Um, and I love Robert Carlyle, but when he does that, when he loses her at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, you get!" <laughs> like, I can't believe you did that. Um, no, the, the sequel, the sequel for me wasn't as obviously anywhere near as good, but it's I did more of an action film, I think. Yeah, it is. And it's a different kind of theme. Yeah, I think Twenty Eight Days Later is really kind of it's really complicated. Uh, really kind of thinking about all the themes and really addressing them mm-hmm. um jason are you a fan of the zombie genre at all would you class them well they are apocalyptic films but would you kind of class them as children of men as well in the same kind of genre well uh zombie films tend to be more action-packed right it's, mm. it's about uh, people versus zombies you know they usually kill each other don't they that's what usually happens mm. yeah more or less Yes, I wouldn't say that's the same as Children of Men, no. no. It's more about action, isn't it? And the blood and the gore, I think, when it comes to zombies. Yes, and um, yeah. in Children of Men, it is the threat isn't you know a monster or anything, whereas in mm. some zombie films, the threats are people, and in some zombie films, mm. the threats are completely the zombies as well. Mm. Um, but no, I really like zombie films in general, but I would would say the one that I completely revisit all the time all the time is twenty eight days later. I think I just think it's marvellous. But then obviously we've got something like Shaun of the Dead, which oh, yeah. is far more kind of comedic. But I just think that's brilliant too. But I don't know, like is that is is talking about comedy ap- ap- apocalyptic films keeping well, the tone with the podcast? I'm not sure. Well I well so I think I think maybe Ian and I touched on this when we did our Edgar Wright episode, but Shaun of the Dead, yes, while it obviously is on the comedy side, it doesn't skimp on how scary the actual zombies can be. There are moments in that film where they are generally, you feel like they're generally in peril and there's genuine genuine danger there. It's not just a 
a laugh riot all the time. They're, when they're stuck in the Winchester in the pub and they're breaking through the windows, you genuinely feel terrified. This is actually, there's, there's, they're overrun. What are they going to do? There's not, you're not just sitting back and watching, you know, you're invested. So I feel like there's a good balance on that film about it. And I think Zombieland has that too, mm, to a degree. Yeah. Um, uh, I, and just for record, I actually think the second Zombieland is better than the first one. I've but, yet to see the second Zombieland, actually. Uh, I, 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 I love the first Zombieland, and I've seen it hundreds of times, but the second one, for me, I, I wasn't, I, I thought, oh, it's going to be a sequel, it's not going to be as good. I genuinely think it's better, but um, it has the action, it has the comedy, and it has the, the threat, which, has, which for me is a really nice balance to get. So I think talking about comedy zombie films is good, and uh, because I think some of them genuinely do respect to the genre. I think I feel like they 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 know the genre. So like Edgar Wright knows the genre, um, and he knows his films, and he's he's paying respect to it, but keeping it in his style. So he's very good at that. And I feel like Sean could be one of the best zombie films out there still to this day. That's a, that is a bold claim. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I'm biased because I love Edgar Wright. And, mm. you know, um, uh, I would probably put uh, 20 Days Later above that, obviously, because it is probably the pinnacle for me. Um, but, yeah, I do think Sean deserves its merit as a zombie film rather than just a yeah. comedy film as well. I would agree. Jason, do you think it's possible to mix zombie and comedy well it is but do you think it works zombie films and comedy together <laughs> yeah I think, I think it does with films such as as we as you discussed Toronto's are dead and uh what's the other one zombie land it works pretty well it's pretty funny yeah i think it works well yeah i, 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 I love those two films i think they're both really really great especially comedic acting in both of them and um in Shaun of the dead a lot of the acting is played pretty straight from kind of the mum character and the dad. Yeah. And I just think that's also adding an element of fun to it as well, yeah. where kind of Sean is completely just, you know, a lazy man who is mm. pathetically trying to win back his girlfriend. It's a rom-com with zombies, which yeah. I think is quite fun. And then you've got a real rom-com with zombies, which is Warm Bodies. I don't know if anybody saw that one. I haven't seen Warm Bodies, although I don't know why I haven't, because it's, from all, from all accounts, it's pretty good. Or it's, hmm. Yeah, so is it is it worth it, watching? It's basically Romeo and Juliet plus zombies. Oh, well, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's maybe not the tagline, but that's that's how it was marketed as. And it definitely was part of the young adult phase of apocalypse films but with humor but it, it wasn't just you know the hunger games or something so it definitely was a bit different but it does feed into that kind of young love young um teenage excitement of you know not playing by the rules that kind of thing but it's 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 definitely kind of worth seeking out i would say not the best uh, zombie film not better than 28 days later but still pretty good fair enough kind of going on mentioning warm bodies which is a kind of teen film um was anybody else um intrigued hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. By 2010's Hunger Games movement, where all of a sudden all of the apocalyptic films were basically just marketed for teens. Was that yeah. intriguing or was it annoying because it was suddenly just still kind of love triangles and not enough kind of society uh, Yeah, I, I, I do. I love the Hunger Games films. I think they're really, I think they're really good because um, I was a big fan of Battle Royale as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. so uh, when they said they were making the Hunger Games, I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, sounds sounds pretty good if, if they can sort of replicate the formula, but not, you know, for like a retro, Americanize it too much, that'd be great. Um, which I don't think they do. I think they do really well. I actually, I, I read the books as well. And I think that this is one of the rare occasions where the films are better than the books because mm. the love triangle in the books is played up so much more than in the films. It almost becomes the center point rather than the, what's happening in the world. Um, but the 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 first Hunger Games, I thought that's really great. And then I think they they are a franchise that is pretty strong throughout. Um, I was not such a fan of the spawn of similar films that came out afterwards, yeah. like Maze Runners and Divergence and all those things. Uh, it was it felt very much a uh, copy paste uh, for me, um, but. They were marketing to a, a a demographic that were that was pretty booming at the time, so so I can see why. But they just went for me. But the Hunger Games, absolutely. Yeah, I think I was the demographic at that time. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and I think they were basically just trying to find that Hunger Games audience and mm. kind of re re get them into the cinema. Um, but I love the Hunger Games. I think. It was great. I mean, I loved it when I first read them. I wrote fan fiction on the Hunger Games. Don't look nice. it up. Nice. <laughs> um, Definitely going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just loved being in that world, which is quite weird because it's quite a depressing place to be. <laughs> it's it's not particularly rewarding. It's not like Harry Potter where you're going to feel kind of warm and fuzzy and even mm. the dark lord or whatever but i loved the hunger games and i really liked the fact that in the film you had not just katniss's story but you had the story of everything around her and how the games were functioning and stuff like that and i thought that was a really interesting kind of facet that they brought into the films um but i also i rewatched them maybe two years ago, so semi-recently. Um, and I would say that none of them are really bad. Like, they're all pretty good. 
but none of them are terrible. None of them you watch and you think this is really awful. Mm. Whereas for Maze Runner and Divergent and many of the others that they have kind of, you know, sport this whole genre has spawned, there might be a good one, but then there'll be a few bad ones in the same franchise. So I thought, you know, The Hunger Games was really good on just general kind of, it was all going to be a similar tone as well. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed um, Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss. I thought she was a really great actress. Um, I think, she, yeah. Sorry, continue. No, I finished. You, you can. Sorry, yeah. No, I was just, I was just completely agreeing with you. Jennifer Lawrence's was practically perfect casting for the role of Katniss. She brings, because uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a young adult film at heart, and that's 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 understandable. But she brings sort of a, a, a real maturity to mm-hmm. Katniss as well. So it's not just like oh, it's uh, it, this is a film aimed at young adults. This is a, a accessible film for for all ages really and i think that partly is jennifer lawrence and obviously she went on to do great things now academy award winning jennifer lawrence um but yeah with i think with her at the front it definitely was a was 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 in a good place going forward um i don't think they found someone like that as as much as i love shailene woodley as an actress and Mm. things she i don't think that the 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 divergent series was the right no, I don't yeah. think it was the right thing for her. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it gave her because I've seen her in other stuff since, and she's like Fault in Our Stars. She's fantastic in Fault in Our Stars and all those kind of other stuff she's done. But I feel like the the there was a aligning of the planets when Jennifer Lawrence was in that, and like you said, it doesn't just focus on her. It it shows how this world has far-reaching consequences for everyone. Elizabeth Banks's character Effie, for example, is. Mm-hmm. Um, you see her from start to the end of the, the very last film, how she's changed completely because of everything that's happening around her. And it's a film that thinks about its world, not, as you said previously, put it in a void of what this one yeah. person's experiencing. Yeah, um, I think that's a brilliant point about Effie. Um, me and my sister actually dressed up as I was Effie and she was Katniss Everdeen in a sixth form dress-up day. Nice, nice. So, it was just the best outfit. Um, but yeah, no, I really like how you've got this structured progression throughout the Hunger Games and everybody's character kind of moves through this difficult kind of process. And especially by the second film where you have um, the quarter quell and you bring back old um, victors who had won yeah. previous games, you you really do see how the games affected them, and there's this level of trauma that maybe isn't particularly apparent in other apocalyptic teenage films. I think you might need potentially you need something like that to make the whole thing seem a bit more miserable. <laughs> yes, it really deals with the 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 idea of PTSD in it which i don't think you get with films that are a kind of franchise like this there's there's a strong central character who doesn't seem phased by a lot but you think about everything katniss goes through in the first movie where rue dies spoiler and um you know all the people she's had to kill or seen killed you know that carries with her and Mm. she and she has to be strong but you can see in her that she is broken on the inside and then when she loses peter um 
it get her whole world just crumbles around her and you know it really deals with what the effects of this are and it's not just uh oh we have to deal with this now and everyone just brushes it off and goes on to the next thing it really carries it all through totally totally and if she does seem like she doesn't care it's because she has so much ptsd and trauma that she can't actually care because Mm. if she does then she'll just kind of end up really breaking down and unable to kind of continue but i think it's a really they're fantastic films um Mm. and i think sometimes people and critics are a bit mean to films which are um for teenage audiences but i do think they are really really great films jason do you rate the hunger games are you a fan or or maybe not uh i'd say maybe not i like the first one it's first one's okay and then the sequels, I don't like them. I think the first one is good because of the way it introduces the, the new that world, the situation, and of course because of Hunger Games. But then I don't know what else is, is film has to say in the sequels. I thought they were necessary. Do you find them a bit repetitive? Yeah, yes, yes, action. You know, not much going on. Just mindless action, if you ask me. Um. Yeah, I. I can I can see what you're saying because I do think the first one really introduces you and really kind of drags you in and then the second one is kind of a repetition of it because they just kind of redo the Hunger Games again but slightly differently and then the third one is also a repetition of the Hunger Games <laughs> so I, I do see what you're saying but I, I really do love the films so much um, and I just think they're very different from other films that we might associate with um, apocalyptic films with having like apocalyptic themes. Um, and I suppose there's another genre, well, not genre, franchise, which um, is really kind of a big kind of apocalyptic film genre that we haven't really talked about. Mad Max. Is anybody yeah. a big fan of Mad Max? Of course. <laughs> not really. Not a fan? No, it just doesn't appeal to me. Is 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 um is a very uh I, I do agree with Jason. I do think it's something that's maybe you know it's a unique taste um because it is very especially like Fury Road. It might be one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's amazing. But my from that my wife did not like that film. It was it's very much uh we hit that we hit the accelerator, go up to a hundred miles an hour, and it's just that for an hour and a half uh, which is fine with me and I absolutely love it it's absolutely nuts and crazy and I'm all for it but I do think that it has it it's not for everyone no but it's, it's for- definitely a way to get your heart racing and mm. it might feel that it, it the whole purpose is just to get your heart racing rather than provide you with some real deep plot or story um <laughs> Yeah, that might be the the point to make you on the edge of your seat and unable to take a breath. I think it's a great cinema spectacle to watch on a massive screen and to take it all in. I'm not sure it's something I would enjoy as much at home on, Mm. you know, 
like I say, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I feel like, laptop screen. Yeah, yeah. It, you, there are certain films that you need that experience for, and I think Mad Max is one of them. Even the old ones, the Mel Gibson ones. Mm. I think that those kept because it is a big film. There's a lot going on. You know, there's a guy strapped to the front of a car with a guitar and a flamethrower. You know, you, your eyes, your eyes are struggling to take absolutely everything in. And I've seen that a few times, and I'm still noticing new stuff every time. But I do, I do agree with Jason. I think it's one of those that you either are into that kind of thing, you're not. Yeah, you either love it or you hate it. So yeah. it's kind of a film marmite, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I really do like Fury Road, but I haven't seen any of the earlier ones. I think I bought the DVD of the first one and just, right. just kind of put it off. But uh, yeah. it's not something I rush to recommend, actually. If people are like, would you like, would you want to, can you recommend me something? Mad Max Fury Road isn't on the tip of my tongue because I do think it is so fast-paced and so energetic and does kind of, you do maybe feel slightly unwell watching it because it's just so (laughs) continuous action that maybe I think that people might not be looking for that when they want to kind of relax and settle down and watch something. Yeah, it's kind of like you either really love it or you might have a migraine at the end. One of those two. (laughs) And and the other two, I would say, I I, I watched them when I was younger, um, probably too young to be honest. But um, they are obviously a bit dated now, mm. and um, they're still entertaining. But I I would also be like, well, you know, I would if you have other films on your list, maybe watch them first. <laughs> yeah. I suppose there's another area of apocalypse films that we haven't discussed yet and they are the disaster movie kind of flicks like day after tomorrow which is embarrassingly one of my favorite films or that really awful geostorm which i watched and i thought this is is awful but it's also kind of good um or the most recent one again with gerard butler um called greenland um i was wondering if um anyone had really kind of strong opinions about these slightly trashy, slightly brilliant disaster movies, or if we can put them in the bin. (laughs) Uh, I'll let Jason go first. Well, uh, I I like The Day After Tomorrow. I think it's okay. It has brilliant effects. You know, it shows how the world is before and during, and during's a disaster. Yeah, I think it's an okay film. It's a fun film, I'd say. An adventure film, I'd say. Yeah, it's definitely kind of an old-fashioned adventure film set on the backdrop of New York being completely frozen over. Yeah, and I would say the same for... uh, What's the the name? Uh, 2011 with John Cusack? Uh, 2012. 2012, sorry, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that's that's another... The same same field as The Day After Tomorrow. Another fun film, Really you know. fun, um, kind of silly, but also mm. a lot of kind of action in the same way of Day After Tomorrow. I do think Day After Tomorrow is maybe slightly better, but I, I'm just very fond of that film, and I acknowledge it's not very good, but I also don't care. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't think you should care. I think Day After Tomorrow, people roll their eyes at Day After Tomorrow because it gets lumped into this disaster movie genre where, you know, there are there are a lot of bad ones. But I don't think the Day After Tomorrow is actually 
I quite I enjoy that film. I think it's good. I think it's really great. Um, I don't like, however, that the first country that gets completely annihilated is Scotland. I feel very, you know, uh, <laughs> just a bit rude. I feel aggrieved by that. I feel that was a personal slight at me, even though it obviously <laughs> wasn't. But you know, like, wait, wait a minute. Um, but no, I do like the day after tomorrow. Uh, uh, yeah, it's look, it's it is like a big, you know, blockbuster action film, uh, disaster film. Sorry, and you know, it has the tropes that you would expect. Those that you will go okay. That's that's uh, that's about out there. But I, I I enjoy it. I like the disaster film. I like the kind of film where I can escape for a while. The the Gerard Butler, he's he's the man for these things these days, isn't he? So um, um but I so like you know your Geostorm, which was yeah silly. But you know, I I was really surprised by Greenland. I actually genuinely was surprised I by really how. Greenland. It was, and I didn't think I would. <laughs> it was much more grounded than I thought it would be. It was less, you know, there was you it was the times you forgot about the comets and the meteors and stuff and you're like, Oh yeah, what are they actually running? And then it would happen again, you're like, Oh, they just and it was more a more of a personal human journey than I was expecting from a and I love the man daily, but Gerald Butler film. Yeah, um, I was expecting silly weather. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Geostorm, and I was yeah. shocked. I was like, oh, "This is actually yeah. semi-grounded and mm-hmm. semi-normal." I do, I do like how Gerard Butler has come from the Scottish school of actors that just don't bother with accents anymore. Yeah. Um, and they always have to have a thing in his movies now where they explain why he's from Scotland and why he's in America. Like a yeah. weird, tenuous point, like yeah, and you're like Gerard Butler. Yeah, I was like, it doesn't matter why he's he's the world's best skyscraper engineer. He just is, okay? It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, 2012, another one, because I love John Cusack, so anything he's in, I love it. It's it's a, it's a silly film, but it's great. You know, you've got Armageddon as well, which is a great end-of-the-world film, even though technically it doesn't, but, you know, it's got that theme. And then things like Independence Day, where the aliens are coming to take over the world and you know, you've got that kind of subgenre there of disaster movies where they avert the end of the world mm. as well, which are, you know, they're good fun. They are yeah. good fun. And I think, you know, critics will turn their nose off at these things, but realistically, everyone enjoys a good, right? What's that one with the uh, the rock, Dwayne Johnson, San Andreas as well, where he rides up the massive tidal wave in his little speedboat? Oh, think... um, yeah. Um, something mm. fault. San... San Andreas, something, San Andreas yeah. Fault. Yeah. yeah, and you think, this is ridiculous, but I'm having a great time. Yeah, I mean, it has to... I think disaster movies work because they are so outlandishly stupid. I kind of hate those like insider videos where you've got a meteorologist or somebody who sits down and watch all, watches all these disaster mm. movies, and they're like, well, this wouldn't happen because the Earth's crust isn't formed that way. And I'm thinking, I don't care. I really don't. I want the Earth's crust to randomly splinter and for lava just to bubble up. Exactly. Multiple kind of hail and um, New York to flood and freeze over. I want this. I don't want somebody telling me it's not going to happen, which is quite weird because apocalypse apocalypse films are very... um, hard-hitting and depressing or they can be with stuff like children of men and then you've got disaster films which are quite different and almost opposing from kind of apocalyptic films Mm -hmm. because 
you you kind of want the world to get a bit destroyed with disaster films because you know that your heroes will ultimately survive and yeah yeah exactly um, yeah and they're a brilliant blockbuster and i think we should make more of them <laughs> yeah i have you know i have full respect for a film that leans into its stupidity and its silliness because <laughs> sometimes that's just what you need you know exactly. you you could what Children, as good as Children of Men is, sometimes you need a balance and then you need a yin to yang. And I think if you want to watch The Rock or Jared Butler punch a comet or do something to blow it up, then I'm all for it. You know, go for it. Yeah, Make I more. just I want to watch the entire human race being randomly saved on a massive arc. Yeah, I do. I think I think it is really cinema. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it all comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Um, and Jason, do you enjoy this kind of um, what do I call it, disaster movie cinema, or is it a bit kind of neither here nor there? Yeah, it's okay. It's 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 fun scenes, uh, mm. scenes, scenes getting blown up, buildings being destroyed. You know, as long as they're not real, of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but, you I know, it's all it's... just it's all just entertainment. You know, yeah, that's it's, all it it's is. Nothing too deep to really think about, I suppose. <laughs> it's oh, really I fun. <laughs> With those kind of apocalypse apocalypse films, I guess not. No. Mm. Yeah, with apocalypse films, it, they want to make you think about society ending, but with mm. disaster movies, society yeah. can end, and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always reminded of that scene in Day After Tomorrow, Day After Tomorrow when they've got the dual hurricanes destroying the <laughs> yeah. and you've got the reporters on the ground and they're talking to each other, and it is kind of horrific horrific but you're there and you're just thinking oh this is so outlandish and couldn't possibly ever happen that actually it's really funny um but yeah i will watch that film over and over again i think it's great <laughs> yeah agreed there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying a disaster movie at all yeah i mean I, as someone who's watched all the shark needle films multiple times i have nothing against the movie that is out there and crazy and stupid so i'm all for it would you recommend sharknado i'd recommend the first two and then if you're in after that you might as well watch the other four um the second one has a scene where a shark comes into a baseball stadium and a guy hits it out the stadium with a baseball bat so i was just like yep this is this this is brilliant and then the first one has a one where a guy jumps through a shark with a chainsaw and chainsaws his way at the other end so you know i don't know what else you need from cinema if that's not cinema i don't know what it is wow forget <laughs> luke goddard you just need sharknado yeah um <laughs> I mean, even in a film that bad, Tara Reid's acting is still the worst thing in it. But, you know, apart from that, I would recommend it for a good 90-minute laugh. Absolutely. It sounds really fun. I never realised that they had six movies. I only thought there was one, maybe two. Yeah, I mean, David Hasselhoff's in one. Tom Daly's in one. You know, they get tons of... They've got all the big names. Oh, God, yeah. Everyone Everyone wanted to be in one after they became massive hits. I, I always just thought they were kind of underground B-movie. They were the, they were the ultimate B-movie. <laughs> well, they were. They were released on the Sci-Fi channel sort of silently and no one knew about it. And then the next day, everyone had watched it and it would become this massive thing. And then they made five more. So, you know, obviously... An underground hit. I love it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen Sharknado, Jason? Or, or, or are you like me? Because I've never... I've barely even heard of it, so... 
I think it's been a few times on the horror channel, hasn't it? But I haven't seen it now. I mean, it's a B movie, uh, not very good effects, I assume. And absolutely, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't really fancy seeing it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, and Chris. It's quite an odd mission. Do not apologize. It is. Uh, it is. It is ridiculous beyond belief. Like even more so than Jason Statham's latest film, The Meg, where he fights a shark. It is more ridiculous than that. And there's there's another scene where they're running through a puddle of water, and then it cuts, and the sharks are somehow swimming in that puddle of water. It's just it, none of it makes sense, but it's just crazy, and you just you just have to go with it. But um, so that's a kind of apocalypse film because you know sharks are taking over, but. Um, I, I, I wouldn't put it over some of the other ones we've maybe mentioned already. Can't possibly take that one seriously. So that's no. a nice a nice break, isn't it? Something a yeah. bit different. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're kind of coming to a little bit of an end of the podcast. Um, so if you were going to recommend the viewer, the listeners, check out one film, apocalyptic film this weekend or this week, which one would it be? Um, Jason, I'll start with you. Well, a rather interesting one is uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm, yeah. You know, that because the whole, nearly the entire story take pl- takes place inside that underground bunker that John Goodman character has built. And, you know, we have Mary Elizabeth Weinstead and she, she's kind of been taken captive, captive, captive by him. And we don't really know if... There really has been an alien invasion, as John Goodman says, or if he is just, you know, kind of crazy. So, yeah, so it's a very interesting kind of a, more of a it's more of a psychological thriller than a than apocalypse film, I'd mm. say. But I love it. It's a great film. It's a great film. I have yet to see it. So basically, um, what you're saying is there could be aliens outside, but they don't know. Yes, not a, not 100% sure. Oh, yeah, you have to watch really, that find really out. Scary. That's yeah. eerie. That's scary. I should watch it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I recommend that one. Okay, I will push it on my list. Um, Chris, do you have any that you think people should watch, or maybe maybe that we've missed out? I mean, I had, I was flipping back and forth between two. One of them was Ten Cloverfield Lane, but Jason got there first, and he's absolutely right. It's a film worth absolutely worth watching as a in this genre and as a psychological thriller it's really really good um i've maybe watched that over sharknado if i were you um (laughs) i would go for the other one which which was the road um which is based on the comic mccarthy book um it's it's one of those that doesn't really concern itself with the whys why the world's ending but it's Viggo Mortensen and a young boy Cody, played by Cody I forget his name Cody Smith McKee or something like that basically trying to traverse this barren apocalyptic wasteland while um, uh, dealing with all the dangers of uh, I guess savage the savages that are left behind and the hardships because it's um, the sun never comes out it's uh, always a dark grey world there's nothing to eat there's nothing to, it's very bleak um, uh, film but it's so well made and so well um, written and adapted from the book that if you're something of the children of men kind of genre ilk that and you like that kind of thing then definitely check the road out it sounds very kind of you wouldn't want to watch it when you're feeling really upbeat and positive, but it sounds really introspective and really interesting. 
No, it is. And there was a funny thing last last year, a couple of years ago, where ITV or, or a channel advertised a different film called The Road and people tuned in and it was actually this film. So they, yeah. I ended up watching this bleak, apocalyptic survivor drama, which, you know, is not a complete upset. Maybe not what, I think what the they wanted completely. No, based on what the other film was about, which I can't remember, but I think it was more of an upbeat kind of thing. But um, this is not one to watch, like, again, to use the phrase on a Sunday afternoon, but I, I think if you really like things like Children of Men or that kind of, you know, theme around this kind of genre, then The Road is definitely one to watch. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned The Road because I think it's, one of the best apocalypse films ever because it really shows very realistically what a post-apocalyptic world would look like. You know, with very little hope mm-hmm. and you know, not 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 people not be able to do much. You know, it's yeah. very it's a very very depressing film. That it must be re- said. I'd say it's bleaker than Children of Men, which is yeah, absolutely, good. yeah, absolutely. It, and you know, I I mean, I've watched a lot of Stephen King. I read a lot of Stephen King, and he's a very bleak man. But Cormac McCarthy in this book in this film yeah it's it's up there with some of the bleakest stuff i've seen in a long time so it's just a warning but you i would say steal yourself a little bit before you yeah watch it. i i because I, I watched the film before i read the book and i wish someone had told me maybe that it was so bleak that uh before going into it so this is that warning the i guess for all the listeners out there this is an extremely bleak film <laughs> yeah yeah so my final recommendation isn't actually as bleak as The Road. Thank um, God. <laughs> it, but, it, but it kind of goes into that teen um, dystopian genre that we kind of talked about. And this one hasn't been particularly talked about or seen very much by people because it's not American. Um, it's called How I Live Now, and it stars Saoirse Ronan and George McKay. And also, I believe, um, the guy who now plays Spider-Man, his name eludes me, I can't remember what he's called. Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yes. And so it's got a really excellent cast, but they're all quite young. And it's set in the UK, and um, there's a, a sudden nuclear war, and... Um, they are all in this kind of tranquil farm. The mother drives off because she works for the Geneva Convention. And suddenly an atomic bomb goes off a few days after and they're separated from each other. The boys and girls are separated and they have to find their way back to each other. But it's it's not really a war film as such. It's more kind of dystopian, apocalyptic film. And it's really hard-hitting in a way that rarely teen dramas are. Um, And it's just got a really great performance with the two central leads who have gone on to do amazing stuff. So, of course, it was going to be great. But um, hardly anyone really talks about that. I do suspect it's because there is a bit of an odd relationship between Saoirse Ronan's character and George Mackay's character, their cousins, and then they have a romantic relationship. It's a bit weird. Ah, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, it's um, a really excellent film because it really gets under your skin about how distressing war is and how awful it is to be kind of separated from your family and have to try and make your way back but your country has been completely ruined and I do think it's a great one um, that not a lot of people have heard of so I would definitely give that one a whirl 
as well. So yeah, I'll definitely check. Now, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. And, it's, okay. and if you're interested in Saoirse Ronan or George McKay, because I think they've both kind of like come up as big stars now, um, yeah. that's a good one to check out just to be like, oh, they were young. Like, do, yeah. they've always been good. <laughs> well, yeah, I love both of those, those actors. They're both fantastic. Obviously, like you said, they've gone on to do amazing things since. And yeah, so I'll definitely check that out for mm. sure. Yeah, no, I would really recommend it. So I think they were, they were all really great recommendations there, guys. And I think we've had such a great discussion on kind of apocalypse films and dystopian films and zombie films and all sorts today. And I really enjoyed it. Um, so is there any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to just kind of say about the genre about or about anything today? Um, I, I mean, I just say it. It might be up there with one of my favorite genres, as morbid as that might sound, but I think it's a very, go back to what I said at the very beginning, it's a very good genre reflecting how we are as humans and how we are when the chips are down, but also how we, how it deals with hope as well at the same time, which I think is always important. And and I think it's a genre that has many subgenres as we discussed, so there's something for everyone. Exactly. Even romance, if you're into zombie rom-coms <laughs> yeah exactly jason do you have any kind of final words about the apocalypse genre uh, i think they often show um how humans are determined to survive how strong their determination mm. to survive is mm. no that how, how strong humans can be i think that's that we often see that in apocalypse films you know that they tend they don't give up they try to survive no matter what i it think that's that, a really yeah. great point because mm. i think that's all the way through all of these films really is the strength of the main characters and how they get through you know whatever is facing them really and I think that's a really kind of excellent way to end this podcast as well this kind of reminder of kind of human strength throughout all the rubbish that they get kind of pushed onto them that humanity will kind of succeed at the end even if society has crumbled um but it was a complete pleasure having you guys here to talk about apocalypse films. And I hope that the listeners enjoyed too. Um, if you want to support UK Film Review, follow us on Twitter and um, read our reviews on the site. But I think that's all from us now. So um, goodbye. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, and listen again next week. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.